Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. For those of you who have the custom of daily Masses, you may have noticed that for a couple or three days in uh, this week, we're going to hear from a particular part of the Gospel of Matthew, which has to do with the coming of the kingdom, or perhaps, as some would uh, say, the last day, when our Lord will reveal himself fully, bring all history to its final purpose and end, and inaugurate the eternal kingdom. We're going to hear the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, who had been called to await the arrival of the bridegroom. And as it was growing late, they had their lamps lit, which was a sign of their preparedness, but Five of the virgins were wise, the other five foolish. The foolish ones did not provide for a delay in the coming of the bridegroom and had to leave suddenly to seek new oil for their lamps from the shops. And when they returned, the bridegroom had come and shut the door. So often when uh, Scripture speaks about these final days, it is often described in very dramatic, apocalyptic terms, signs in the sky, uh, overcoming of uh, enemies, the casting of the devil into the pit of fire, and so forth. And in fact, even in one or two of our Lord's sayings, there is some very dire warning of these events, although he does tell his disciples, you are not to run about screaming and shouting, but to wait with great peace because you know God is in control. But also the coming of the kingdom is described in many parables as a wedding feast, as a, a time when the profound joy that we all seek and the wonderful blessedness will be achieved when the bridegroom calls his bride the church to that unending feast. And I think that although uh, so often we are told, look for the signs of the coming, what these parables really ask us to do is prepare to hear the call of the voice as the bridegroom arrives. Hearing that call, spending our time here on earth, allowing our ears to be sharpened so that we hear the least sound of the voice, or our eyes to recognize him when he comes. Many of these parables are stern. They call for preparation, but it is a preparation for a profound happiness, not simply to await that time when the world as we know it about us disappears and a new one is presented to us. So I think these parables call upon us to ask, how do we prepare? Christians, you know, live in two worlds. One world, the actual world, the passing world, is one that claims a great deal of our attention, and rightly so. For it is a world in which our life 
is being defined and lived, is being thrust forward into a future, and we need to provide for that life and for the other responsibilities that we have within this world. But while standing in this world, we stand also in another world, a world that will grow and flourish and be everlasting. And there are signs of that kingdom still within our actual world here on earth. But in order to prepare for what is lasting, we have to allow the greater reality of our future to give meaning to the lesser reality of our daily living. And therefore, all that we do in this world should be, in a sense, a reflection of our hope in that greater world, in that kingdom to come. And it is a a kind of context in which everything we do in this world is going to be done in the color and in the light of the world yet to come. So in preparing for this, we have to really long for that culmination. Every time we say the Lord's Prayer, don't we pray, Thy kingdom come? Some days, of course, that are not as good as others, we pray that it come quickly. But it means also not being so tightly tied to the cares and concerns of our present world, our actual world, as therefore to be blind to what will happen and not hear the call that is given to us. And I think we do this by a virtue known as detachment. That is, it is proper to use the goods of this world, but not to be enslaved by them to see them as means by which to fulfill our responsibilities in this world, fulfill that calling to the flourishing of life, but not to be controlled by them. And so we make our work in this world, waiting for the call of the bridegroom of Christ to that eternal kingdom, by living a life that I think is marked First, by peacefulness, hearing that voice of Christ who will call us at the end, already calling to tell us, do not be afraid, I am with you. And there should be a certain peacefulness, and this is uh, very much different from just simple optimism, but a sense that ultimately all things will be enfolded in the truth and power of God. We encourage vigilance, watchfulness. How do we see? How do we watch? How how are we ready? And we also do it in compassion, knowing how that kingdom, which would be an eternal kingdom of love and life, how do we allow that to be reflected in our life by how, in fact, we live with those close to us and with all that are neighbors to us. We also are not to be deflected from our life and preparation 
by the claims of those who throughout Christian history has, have tried to pin down the precise place and date of that coming, have created vast scenarios that have over the years, of course, just run into the sand. We're not deflected by that, but we are encouraged and allowed to continue in our readiness by simply knowing that God will come when he wills. And in our preparation, whenever he comes, we will hear that voice. But I also think back on that parable of the ten wise and the ten foolish virgins. In fact, when the delay in the coming grew longer, and five of the virgins realized their lamps were going out, they turned to the other five and asked them to share what they had. And the five wise virgins said, no. Now, at first, this can be a little disconcerting because, you know, since kindergarten, you were told that one of the rules was to share. And what, what is going on here? And actually, as, as you think about it, there are some things that we simply cannot do for another human being, that they themselves must make that choice, which must make that move. Oh, we can pray, we can give example, we can exhort, but we cannot make for them the yes or the no for the presence of Christ. We continue to pray. We continue to give that witness. But understanding that, in fact, others must make that choice. And they do it with the profound grace of God, generously given. But once given, our Lord waits for an answer. And each of us must give that answer. The Lord be praised. Lord Jesus, come. 